Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when the inflatable Santa deflates. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And this week, we have... Actually, we have some stuff to talk about. There's been a little bit of news in mid-late-ish late December, which is kind of unusual, honestly. Normally, uh, late December is like, hey, here's AirPods Max, but you don't really want or care about them. And then that's basically it. But yeah. we've, had some, we've had some little tidbits here that I think we need to talk about my good friend, old buddy, old pal. Let's so get into it. I mean, basically what we've what we've been hearing more and more about are these little nuggets. We'll call them little little Yuletide nuggets of info about this upcoming iMac Pro. And that that intrigues me. Because, I mean, I think this is what a lot of people have been waiting for. I'm a big fan of the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. But even in the 16-inch, I feel like, I don't know, for me at least, I'm more of a desktop guy when it comes to, like, a workstation. I used to edit all of my videos on my early 2015 13-inch MacBook Pro and then... That one wasn't super great because dual-core integrated graphics. So I got the 2016 15-inch, which is also not super great because of everything about it. But by 2018, I think, is when I got a refurbished iMac. And ever since then, I've been on iMacs for, for everything. Because just a large screen. I even like the freaking Magic Mouse. That's how sick I am, right? I'm literally like deranged at this point, but I I just I love desktops. Being able to spread out a little bit, spread out the what's on my desktop, on the desktop, lots of room in Final Cut. So having M1 Pro and M1 Max in a desktop form factor sends shivers of joy down my spine. <laughs> Oh boy. What about you, Noah? Do you have shivers of joy? Probably not as much as uh, as you're feeling, just because... So, okay, I definitely agree with you about the desktop thing. I love having, you know, big space to spread out, and I love, you know, having a mouse keyboard, or I prefer, you know, trackpad and keyboard, but, you know, having a big area. Um, but I'm yeah. always going to be... Uh, you know, docking my laptop. I just like yeah. I have, you know, we're we're very um we're we're similar in a lot of ways, but but we're different in that you have a lot more computers than I do, which is good for you, and obviously it makes sense because you're a tech YouTuber. Yeah. But I'm very much like a one computer guy, and so I like 
having the one computer that I can I can you know take it downstairs and plug it in right here and I can do the podcast I can take it up into my room and plug it in I have another monitor up there and I can do work or I can take it and sit in front of the TV and I can just work on the laptop and you know watch TV or whatever mm. which I was doing earlier today so for me I like the one laptop that I can bring around but I definitely agree that the desktop experience is uh, the way to go. All right. So that's interesting. That's interesting because, I mean, our ways are actually kind of similar. You move your computer through the different rooms. I just have a different computer in different rooms. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not, it's definitely not uh, a recommended strategy. I will say having multiple computers that you like, I have a couch computer. I'll admit it that I just use on the couch <laughs> and it the, rotates the around it rotate because, you know, but like for me, it makes sense. Cause I, you know, it's, it, it makes sense for me to keep a decent amount of devices. Cause I want to get comparisons. I want to have things that are relevant to talk about. So that's whatever. But when it comes down to, like, if YouTube career removed, let's say I'm just a normal content creation person, just doing video editing, but not, like, about Apple YouTube stuff, right? I would probably, I would probably still lean towards iMac, personally, just because... I guess I don't actually, I guess I don't know. I mean, it makes sense to have choice in the monitor that you use. I think I would probably have to set up, if I did have like a docking st situation, I'd want to set it up so that I could put the computer, sort of the laptop off to the side. I think honestly, I'd probably also dock a 14 inch if it weren't for the fact that you get some thermal, uh, thermal limitations with the 14 inch chassis but i guess this is one of the reasons why i want the imac right is because you have more room everything is sort of out of the way off the desk no cables interfering or i guess i i kind of have a lot of cables in my setup even with an imac because i have like a 48 terabyte raid drive plugged into it i have um I usually keep my podcast stuff like there. So I have, well, Ethernet, the RAID, the HDMI, Cam Link. Usually I've got an SD card of some sort plugged in. So it's like with that sort of connectivity, I like to have a desktop so that I don't have to be, you know, disconnecting everything to take it out, plugging everything back in. I can kind of leave stuff where it is which I like, but for you, Noah, we'll come back to the iMac. Okay. Let, let's, let's take a pause. What, what monitors do you currently use with your MacBook Pro? Yeah, so down here, I'm in sort of the home office, I guess you could call it. We have, there's like three desks down here for me and my roommates, but I have my setup here. I have a 32-inch um Lenovo I think like the Think Vision so it's um it's a it's a 32 inch monitor I think it's like 1440p and mm. um and it actually has like 
like I only plug two USB-C cables into my laptop and that does the charging, it does the monitor, and I have, there's some USB ports on the uh, monitor itself for the, nice. the microphone and the camera. And then there's also an Ethernet port on the uh, monitor as well, so I have wired Ethernet down here. So actually, it's just two USB-C ports that I plug in, and I'm good to go with this monitor. And then up in my room is similar. I have a 32 or 34-inch ultra-wide um, monitor, and I have a Thunderbolt docking station. So I have everything plugged into the docking station, and then that's just one USB-C, or I guess one Thunderbolt cable that goes into my Mac. So I think I have a pretty... A pretty solid setup with that because I definitely agree that I don't want to be plugging and unplugging a bunch of wires because that's what I used to have and it was a pain. But if you can get like a hub or a monitor with some built-in stuff, then it can make your life a lot easier. True. That is pretty interesting. Now, I do I do wonder because for me, there's a couple of things that I look for in a monitor mm-hmm. and th- i think probably one of the big ones is resolution and i'm not super satisfied with the selection of non pro display xdr monitors out there to be honest because i mean if i'm going to if i'm going to stray away from the tried and true path which is the 5k imac where i've been for 4 years now then I want a larger display. 27 inches was nice. I've got a 27-inch monitor next to me right now. I've got a 24-inch monitor. I'm, I'm docked right now, actually. I didn't even mention that. I've got my MacBook Pro that I'm running this off of, and I've got a 24-inch monitor that I'm looking at. That's They're vertically located. I think that's what you do too, Noah, right? A uh, vertical monitor? Or, like, it's above your MacBook Pro, not next to it? I Or are you just in, uh, clamshell mode? Yeah, I'm doing... I used to use the Mac open, but now I do clamshell mode, always. Interesting. So you're not even getting that XDR ProMotion experience? Not when it's docked, no. And that's that, that brings me on to the second thing. So I like a screen size. Larger than 27-inch is what I want now. And that's... Why I'm kind of bummed about this news about the iMac being 27 inches. Beyond that, I want XDR. If I'm going to go to a Pro Display XDR or a new device, I, I think it should have XDR capabilities. And also, I'll lump ProMotion in with that. It's not a deal breaker for me when I'm editing videos because I am editing 30 FPS videos, but I like it. And I think it would make sense for Apple to implement. But really, really important, really, really important is high resolution. Larger than 27 inches, I want 6K. I want that really crisp pixel density. I want to be able to have a Final Cut Pro timeline with a 4K viewer window. I want to be able to see all of my stuff at full resolution. That's the one that's hardest to get. Because when you look outside of a Pro Display XDR right now, you can find 32-inch monitors. Absolutely. You can find sometimes HDR monitors. That's hard to do. But you cannot find 
a 32-inch HDR 6K monitor out there, to my knowledge. I mean, if anyone knows of any good monitors that fit those criterias, 30 inches or larger, HDR content, like, you know, local dimming zones, mini LED, OLED, whatever, and are greater than 4K, the closest that I have seen is the LG... Um, what do they call it? The LG Pro OLED something? Let me find this. Um, they, so they actually just refreshed this two days ago. Interesting, interesting. So they've got the ultra-fine OLED Pro monitor. So the first effort, the one that they launched this year, is $4,000, 31.5 inch, 4K some people complained that the colors were a little bit little weird on those, which, I don't know, is a little interesting. Apparently, they're coming out with a, a smaller size version of that, which I'm not at all interested in. Oh my gosh, wait. They have a 999... Never mind, I misread that. Point is... That's the closest I've seen. I don't know of any other monitors that fill all three of those criteria. So I'm torn. Yeah, I mean, that's... So, like, for me, I very rarely edit videos. And I also don't even know how to do color correction. So I kind of just work don't with care what that I get. The color is accurate. I really, yeah. So, like, this monitor that I'm sitting in front of, it actually is, I guess, 4K. It's 3840 by 2160. So, I think that's yeah. 4K, right? Uh, so, it's a 32-inch yeah. 4K. It's, you know, not HDR, not, um, you know, uh, whatever whatever else. I don't even know if it's high refresh rate. It looks like it's 60 hertz right now. I'm not sure if you can do any better. But, um, you know, obviously, we're in different situations. So like, when I'm talking about my setups that I have you know, they may or may not work for you because, you know, with the video editing, that's a whole other, you know, set of criteria that you have to work with there. Yeah. So one of the, one of the premier, like one of the most often used video editing monitors in like small to medium sized production houses are the Dell UltraSharp 4K ones, which are probably the same panels as what you have or maybe a little bit maybe a little bit nicer i don't know what the color specs are um on on that monitor but the the dell ultra sharp 32 4k usb-c monitor um they're about they run about a thousand and they're very uh very commonly used in editing but again that doesn't fulfill my criteria of more than 4K at that size, and they don't have HDR. Um, a lot, a lot of, I mean, movies and TV aren't, or TV shows especially, aren't often edited in HDR until you get up into like really high end stuff. Um, but it it is, and it is hard to find. Oftentimes, it's those reference monitors that are like several thousand dollars. Um, but. I don't know. I mean, consumer-wise, I really would like there to be some more options. And that's something that uh, has, has been coming out lately. 
is apparently there's a new Pro Display XDR on, on the way, as well as lower priced versions. So that I think is really interesting because, I mean, not only do you have a reasonable expectation that a monitor that Apple releases is going to be very attractive and well-built and crucially have one cord operation. You mentioned that you have two cord, right? You can plug a USB-C in for display and one for charging, correct? Uh, I think one of them does display and charging. The other one does the USB ports that are on the monitor. But yeah, two, two USB-Cs. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so two USB-Cs. I, I like one. I know it's semantic. I know it's, you know, not super necessary. But I think a lot of people really like the idea that you can just go plug it in and you're good to go. I want no plugs. I want a wireless AirPlay monitor. How about that? Oh, that would that would work perfectly. That and it charges too. Uh-huh. Over AirPlay. Yes. How about that? That's technology right there. That's what I want. But I'm I'm really 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 interesting. Um so apparently if, if you recall, I think we've talked about him a little bit, Dylan DKT. So he's currently, pretty recently, when, did, when was this? December 15th, so just a couple of days ago, he tweeted that apparently Apple has th- three LG-made displays. LG makes a lot of their displays in unbranded enclosures for usage as in external monitors that are in early development. So apparently two of those panels are the same specifications as the upcoming 27-inch and current 24-inch iMac displays. And the other one seems to be an improved 32-inch Pro Display XDR. So that really intrigues me because I think the Pro Display XDR could really benefit from mini-LED. I think that would be... Very interesting. Increase the number of local dimming zones. Currently, it's 579, I think. Um, the the MacBook Pros that we have in front of us, 2,500. So get those numbers up, Apple. Get Got to catch up. Uh, and then as far as the other two, I think it's interesting that there could be a 24-inch Apple-made monitor. That actually intrigues me potentially more than the um, the 27 inch because the 27 inch we're expecting mini LED ProMotion 5K pretty similar to what we have now right probably the same resolution if it's the same size um, add ProMotion add mini LED heck yeah fantastic that sounds like a really really solid package but to be able to get that as a standalone monitor that is not a feature set that it, that's on the market right now. You cannot find 5K high refresh rate XDR mini LED monitors out there. So that, even even beyond Apple, would be a really, really interesting product to have available. Now, I'm not sure that they're going to make it, you know, functional on other devices. Like, you can't even adjust the brightness on the Pro Display XDR if you plug it in to a PC. And you can't run it at 6K. It's like, why why build all these limitations in? If you're trying to 
beat out reference monitors, open yourself up to some additional streams of income. I don't know. But this would basically be like, remember those ultra-fine displays yeah. that Apple would sell? Those always confused me. Because did you know, Noah, remember it was 21.5 and 27 inches? Mm-hmm. Those are the exact same panels from the iMac. Identical. Same exact things. Yeah, I think I did know that. It's interesting. So, they had the same panels. Why did Apple not just develop an enclosure and change nothing else? I mean, they already had the one-plug operation. They already worked perfectly and seamlessly in macOS. Why didn't they just put an aluminum on it and say, hey, there you go. Boom. That's your that's your cinema display, right? They could have done that. They didn't do it. And so that makes me wonder. How uh, ooh. It makes it makes me wonder what these new displays are gonna look like. It also makes me wonder what they cost. And I guess we could probably figure that out. If we look at the LG Ultra Fine 5K display, do you remember how much that thing cost? I remember they were very expensive. They were quite expensive, I'll say. Wait, what the heck? Look at this. This is what I just found. Share screen, Chrome tab. There we go, look at this. Do they still sell this thing? Apparently so. Because here I am on the Mac apps, on the Mac Apple app. <clears throat> here I am on the Apple store. We'll edit that bit out. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. And they've got it for sale. $12.99. Which I do recall. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. Is that less? I feel like they might have been more at some point. Is this the 21 or the 27? This, this is, is the 27. 27, the 5K. Yeah, the 21 was 4K, right? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm those things so were definitely confused. expensive. So I was thinking But here's the thing though, 1300, like if you were to if you were to replace this with a 5K mini LED promotion display, okay, maybe it would be $14.99, that still seems like not bad. Compared to a Pro Display XDR, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was thinking, like, when we, uh, when you were bringing up the discussion about the, uh, you know, like, Apple, you know, they're making their own monitors, why didn't they put their name on these? Because I was thinking about the, the, the Ultra Funds. And then I'm thinking, you know, if Apple is going to launch these monitors that are at, I guess, more of a consumer-friendly uh, price, then I think the question becomes, where's the trade-off between an iMac and a display with a Mac Mini? And I feel like when mm. LG is the one selling the display, it's more like an accessory. Like, oh, you're going to buy, you know, you buy the iMac if you want the all-in-one, or you buy the Mac Mini and you have to get a display. But, oh, here's one that we can recommend from LG versus, like, this is the Apple display that you can, uh, you know, that we sell 
and you can you know buy that pair it with a mac mini and then maybe it blurs the lines a little bit or makes the decision harder for some people between the two because there's not much of a difference at that point that's true so i've got a comment here that's saying that that it used to be maybe like 13.99 so if we go off yeah. of that as like maybe 14.99 for the new one or 15.99 even it ah uh, you know what though you're right because if you're if you make the display and it's the same panel as the iMac then i would imagine that the Mac mini plus a display should be the same price as the iMac Theoretically, right? maybe it's maybe the iMac is a little well i don't know cuz then it's like oh the iMac has everything integrated so maybe there's a little more price there or maybe they price the 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 separate pieces more because they're two separate pieces you know the monitor and the mac mini i don't know how they would do it but yes you'd think they'd be yeah. somewhere around the same price definitely also curious these new monitors are apparently featuring like an a13 bionic in them hmm. so i would imagine that that's probably to do with like thermal management and controlling uh brightness and the mini led thing could also be an image signal processor mm -hmm. for a built-in webcam and yeah. you know a little bit of uh processing on that I, I i bet you they'll i bet you they'll have speakers i bet you they'll have like built-in very good speakers i bet you they'll have webcams might even have mics in them i feel i i i feel like it'll be within one to two hundred dollars above or below an imac to do mac mini plus monitor and i think that's mm -hmm. i don't think that's a bad thing i think that would be really great because you could essentially end up with a more flexible version of the imac if you want to essentially break apart and have the mac mini as its own thing that way you can change out the display. You can change out the Mac Mini if you want to. And I think that's a good idea. And then it could keep people in the Apple ecosystem to, to buy the display as well. Because like right now, look at an M1 Mac Mini versus an M1 iMac. You could make the same argument, right? You get the exact same hardware, but if the option existed to get a 24-inch display with the cool design, built-in camera, microphone, speakers, one-cord operation, 4.5K, maybe maybe some people would do that, would add that onto a Mac Mini, and then, boom, guess what? You just got your extra money because the Mac Mini is less expensive. And we're expecting a Mac Mini with the new M1 Pro and M1 Max chips, which it's shaping that's going to be a killer deal killer deal because it's going to be somewhere in the two thousand dollar range like it's it's going to be significantly less to get an m1 max mac mini than a macbook pro and that i think is really promising i mean like let's let's see if we can figure out how how, how much do we think um one of these mac minis is going to cost a good question so the what are the the intel ones are the 
the Intel ones that are still left are like a thousand, eleven hundred, right? Yeah, ten ninety nine is the one remaining. Well, stock configuration. I guess you could still spec it up a little bit. Let's see what. Gosh, I can't believe that they'll still let you spend. $2,999 on a fully loaded. <laughs> Oof. Oh, God. That's really abysmal. Um, well, okay, here's the thing. Uh, the base configuration for the higher-end Mac Mini has 512 gigs, 8, uh, eight gigabytes of RAM, and the six core i5 at at ten ninety nine, I think that price point is unrealistic for the new one, because first of all, I mean, the MacBooks got more expensive. These are going to get more expensive. The biggest thing is I think it's going to be two hundred dollars more, just because sixteen gigabytes of RAM is the minimum spec for the M1 Pro. So changing nothing else, it would be twelve ninety nine minimum to get one of these things theoretically i guess it could be a little bit more because what was the the previous base uh the previous 13 inch higher end macbook pro was 17.99 now it's 19.99 i guess that's a 200 dollars price bump but they didn't change the spec so maybe it's like a $200 price bump with Apple Silicon and then $200 to go f- from 8 to 16. Maybe it'll be $400 more expensive. So like $1499 for the least expensive Mac Mini with M1 Pro. Yeah. Oh. I, I could see that. And then what about would it be 8 and 14 or would it be 10 and 16? Because they don't use the binned M1 in the Mac Mini. So maybe they won't use the double binned M1 Pro either. Maybe they'll just do 10 and 16. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. And then I guess would it get even more expensive than 14.99? I feel like they want to have What's the what's the M1 the the M1 Mac Mini? What does that start at? 6.99. That one got cheaper. With Apple Silicon, it, it was it was more it was seven ninety nine when it was Intel and it's six ninety nine with Apple Silicon. So that that was very curious. I don't think we're gonna be so lucky with this next round, but I will also say fourteen ninety nine. It's exactly one thousand dollars less than a fourteen inch MacBook Pro. Curious, curious indeed. And that means that if you wanted the M1 Max with a terabyte of storage, $2299 for a Mac Mini, that would be that would be really, really, really good. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see, obviously, you know, it's going to get more expensive if they're doing, you know, Apple Silicon and more RAM, but I guess if we saw, you know, I don't think we're going to see it get any cheaper, but certainly not. maybe we'll see it get 
less expensive than otherwise would have, if that makes sense. Like less more expensive. Yeah, like like okay, like if the if the M1 Mac Mini actually ended up getting cheaper, you know, this new one's not going to be cheaper, but you know, if you if you do all the calculus in your head of how much you think it'll increase by, maybe it'll increase a little bit less than that because you know, the M1, you know, that got a little bit less expensive. So this one, there's a lot of stuff True. to increase, but maybe maybe a little bit of that, you know, comes back. So it's not quite as expensive. So like a 14.99 price range. I don't know. Yeah. It gives some nice breathing room to the M1 Mac Mini where you can still do some upgrades on that before you get into the price territory for the, the M1 Pro. And, you know, I guess if you look at, like, the 13-inch MacBook Pro versus the 14-inch and you look at the price difference there, maybe you're expecting mm -hmm. a similar price difference with the Mac Mini because it's the same sort of idea there. That is true. Because with the M1, I mean, obviously Apple puts a lot of time into thinking about all of their pricing because it all has to fit together like a little puzzle piece. Because right. even right now with the M1 Pro, that uh, like the, the M1 MacBook Pro is already in a weird spot right now. But even then, when you spec it out with the same RAM and storage, it's $300 less than the 14-inch. So then... I don't know, it kind of works you into this whole, like, you can kind of start with the MacBook Air and go, oh, uh, maybe I should get the extra GPU core, a little bit more thermal headroom. Uh, I should probably just get a little bit more storage and get 16 gigabytes of RAM for longevity's sake. And then at that point, you're at $16.99. Then you go, oh, well, at that point, maybe I should just go for the base 14-inch, get the extra performance cores, the XDR display, the ProMotion, the ports, and then at that point, oh, maybe I do need a terabyte of storage. Like, you can see how you can sort of work yourself up that huge line of upgrades. Oh, yeah. Just with these $1 to $200 jumps, right? Yep. That's that's how they structure it with the Mac. It's never just, it's never just about the, the upgrades or by making like a $500 jump. It's you walk yourself there. You walk your way up that ladder. And then it's sort of, yeah. or I guess maybe it's more of a staircase, really, right? And they make sure that the steps are nice and small so you can walk your little toes up there. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I tried to spend $900 on a MacBook Air and I accidentally bought an M1 Max 16-inch MacBook Pro and spent $3,000. Okay, maybe you'd probably stop yourself before you got that far. But you could definitely wander above your budget fairly easily i think yeah especially with the less expensive models like you start with the base model and there's a lot more upgrades that you can do versus the you know the the higher tier ones where a lot of the upgrades are basically applied for you but they're very good at that apple's very good at that and uh renders by ian here who i worked with we Remember Noah the the renders that Ian and I came up with back mm -hmm. in May for the MacBook Pros yeah. that were really really close. I think this is an interesting point here. If it's more than fourteen ninety nine, then it gets pretty close to the fourteen inch. Um, and I mean I guess it's a different category, but like think about it this way: if 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 you're paying sixteen ninety nine 
for a Mac Mini versus the 14 inch. I'm like, okay, 400 bucks for the battery, the additional design for getting that thermal package. Most importantly though, the display. That's a really, really expensive component. That panel, the rounded corners, the ProMotion, all of the, the camera, the speakers, the microphone, all of these extra things that come bundled in a laptop form factor. I feel like I feel like a $300 difference would be way too close in those products. Uh, especially, there's no, there's no two size situation, right? The Mac Mini is just going to be a box that contains M1 Pro and M1 Max chips in it. And I really don't, yeah, I really think $1599 is the ceiling for starting prices. Like that's the highest, lowest price. I, I I get I get what you're saying. You get I it? Think, yeah. I got you. I think um it's inter- the interesting thing about the about the Mac Mini is that it's decidedly not the Mac Pro. So it's the True. it's the kind of thing where you definitely could go the approach that I take, which is, you know, have the MacBook Pro and dock it. And you know, when you compare the like if you look at the Mac Mini specs, they're basically going to be the MacBook Pro specs. You know, obviously in a different form factor, but same sort Absolutely. of specs. So at that point, there is definitely the option to go either way. And now maybe some people won't think like that. Maybe some people are thinking, you know, I already have my monitor and and I just want a desktop and then they're just going to buy the Mac Mini and they're not even going to look at it. But I think for some people, obviously, that you know, those people would be missing out on, you know, thinking about it this way. But if you think about like, you know, you pay a little extra for you know the the monitor and the the potential for portability and you can have a discussion about the the port situation because you know the mac mini has you know better port selection maybe um although you know obviously the macbook pro is better now than it was before so there's there's some trade-offs to discuss there but with the mac mini you definitely can compare it to the macbook pro uh you know something like the mac pro is obviously going to be a different discussion yeah I think well. So the the other thing that we got to talk about is bridging that gap, getting to the Mac Pro. Because I think. I think by WWDC we should have a reveal for the Mac Pro. It's possible that they could do a you know a later thing like an October type of deal, but the last two Mac Pros, 2019 and 2013, were WWDC teases, December launches. And I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Also because we've heard, I mean, we've we've heard a lot of stuff and we've talked about a whole bunch, this whole idea of using multiple dies. I am like obsessed with this idea and I am convinced in a arguably conspiratorial sense, I'm convinced that's what Apple wants to do. I think that they want to, like, as soon as I heard M1 Pro and M1 Max, that is what really cemented it in my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, they're not going to just keep scaling this. They're going to combine this. Because yeah. w- the, we talked about it last week. The word bank is empty, folks. <laughs> there's no there's no tier left for them above M1 Max. There's no M1 Ultra. That I don't think that really tracks. Like there, 
they they don't have anywhere else to go apart from M1 Max Duo. Two of them. And then we looked at that diagram where there's a little piece, an interconnect looking piece on the M1 Max. I think it's only the M1 Max that's going to be able to scale in that way. But I think it's going to um, expand multiple dies working together. Uh, we, so one thing is that that expansion connection that, that was found seems like for, for making a pair, M1 Max Duo, as Ian just pointed out here in the chat. An M1 Max Quad, that we don't quite know. There, there's probably some sort of a, a, a connection interface that would have to take place there. And at that point, I think you would end up with some pretty serious scaling issues. The M1 Max scaled pretty well, but not like perfectly. When you go to connecting dies and then connecting those, I feel like you're going to run into some pretty big like diminishing returns on that. But I think I think that's where we're headed with this Mac Pro. And I think we're going to get there in June because then M2 can get announced in the fall. And it doesn't look like things are out of order. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it definitely makes... Yeah, because we had the whole discussion and we looked at the, you know, the chip, uh, like the like the, the yields from a silicon wafer and, you know, the bigger the chips are, the, the worse your yield's going to be. We talked about that last week and all of that we stuff. Sure and it makes a lot of sense to combine multiple chips and like when you look when you look at the chips you know they're talking about you know they have you know each chip has you know a bunch of different cores in it and it has unified memory that everything shares it's a it's a layout that. that makes a lot of sense to have multiple of them connected and and you know we're talking about the connection and you talk about the the you know m1 max quad where you have four of them and there's some level of communication that has to happen between them, and that's obviously going to slow down the overall performance. But I think Apple could probably do a pretty good job of uh, running certain processes on different, um, you know, cores. So like, you know, putting a process on maybe it's a single core process, maybe it's a multi core process, but making sure that that process runs on one uh, CPU or one M1 Max. And, and so obviously the M1 Max is to communicate with each other, but if they can sort of, you know, move the processes, uh, you know, into their separate, um, you know, to, to keep all the threads of a process together, I think that the performance could probably be pretty good. And then obviously you'd have a lot of cores to work with at that point. So I think Apple could do a lot with the software, especially since it's their own chips and it's not like Intel or you know, some other company, it's their own chips. They have yeah. total control over it. They could do a lot in the operating system to, to, to help with that. That's a fair point. Um, and I also think that what we talked about, about the, um, the 3d fabric chip stacking chiplet mm -hmm. design, I think that's going to be useful going forward. So perhaps as we start scaling the M one chip, Oh no. You know how people 
last year were like, all right, don't buy Intel, let's wait for Apple Silicon. Then Apple Silicon came and it was like, oh, fantastic, this is great. But if you're looking for something high-end, wait, the high-end stuff is coming. Now we've got the, I'd call it medium end, M1 Pro, M1 Max, very expensive, obviously very capable, but I can definitely see where I would maybe want some extra power. I probably don't need it, but I could I could want, I can hope, I can dream, you know, man can sure, dream. Sure, yeah. But here's a problem, though, is let's say we're getting to December 2022 launching on essentially a scaled-up M1 platform. That's a two-year-old architecture at that point. And, and that's not a problem inherently, but this is the world of technology. A lot can happen in two years. When M1 came out, Apple was like, oh, we're chilling. You know, 9th gen, 10th gen Intel chips, mm, they were very mad. They were just iterative, right? But now we've got Alder Lake. Right. Alder Lake is big. AMD's got some stuff cooking around the corner too. And we'd be talking about another year from now still on this architecture for the high-end stuff. And I'm not sure if Apple is moving fast enough to keep up on higher-end stuff. It doesn't matter as much on the low-end, right? The M1 chip is leagues ahead of other people's low-end chips. That's a no-brainer. You know, you, you cannot find a $1,000 laptop that's going to outperform a MacBook Air while being thin and light with 18 as a battery, right? They've absolutely killed it on the low end. And that's arguably where it matters most because that's where most people are shopping. So the incentive to, to work on the high end maybe isn't there. But when you talk about a Mac Pro, especially one with non-upgradable RAM, non-upgradable storage, and essentially integrated GPU cores that you can't change out either, if, if it's brand new, $6,000 on a two-year-old architecture and not price competitive with, with Intel and AMD workstations, I don't know. Apple Silicon's great, but that's a tough sell. That's a really tough sell. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point because, yeah, the M1, like like when you look at the M1 Max and, and when that was announced and Apple was talking about how it was you know the best performance and 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 all of that and then when the the m1 max and uh, the m1 pro and the m1 max came out they were focusing more on it's the best performance at this you know power this level of power consumption so they kind of had to throw and that was even i think a little before alder lake came out so it was um you know the competition wasn't uh, even quite where it is today but they were focused on you know you're getting the most power at this uh, performance at this uh, you know level of you know power usage which is obviously also important for laptops but when you get to the desktops you know you really don't have that uh, benefit to, to 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 tout at that point because obviously the desktops is going to be plugged in all the time and people don't really care so then it really comes down to performance period not performance per watt as much but more just like raw performance that you can do and I think that's where the m1 architecture has a little bit more trouble or a little more work to do i guess yeah and uh ian pointed out here that the m1 max doesn't have enough gpu power for him now he's doing render stuff and i will say apple silicon doesn't do super well in 
in Blender. Blender needs some optimizations, but also if, if Apple wants to argue that their way is better, then they should be able to be more powerful. You know, it, it should be more, it should be powerful enough that it doesn't matter if it's, you know, not perfectly optimized or made by Apple, right? It should be able to run things even in compatibility modes or through Rosetta or through whatever very well. And like, I just don't see as this comment here says is, do I think two M1 Maxes will compete with an RTX 4090? I don't think four M1 Maxes are going to compete with a 4090. And that's a problem because Apple, Apple needs to prove that they can deliver a valuable package. And when it gets to the high end, for the past 10 years, frankly, Apple hasn't had it. They've been off their game. They have not had the best graphics. They made the wrong choice going with AMD. The absolute wrong choice. Because all of their devices, MacBooks, iMacs, Mac Pro, have been behind on graphical power. Um, I would even argue that going with Intel instead of bringing in some like AMD partnership... I don't like they had AMD graphics. Why didn't they have AMD CPUs? Why didn't they do that? I don't know. Um, that was a, that was a mistake as well, and they were priced like they were perfectly specced, and that's what a lot of people. You know, there were a ton of videos over the last years of like people being like, ah, "I'm leaving Apple." Apple wants to win people back. They want to prove that they have the best ecosystem and the best products. They need to make updates, and like the the what we're seeing with M1 Max is. The GPU cores themselves aren't powerful enough to be competitive with NVIDIA. Like, yeah, so the, the the M1 Max 32 core, it's not a 3080. From the test that we've seen, it's somewhere around a 3060. That's still pretty respectable. Um, RTX 3060 Mobile is a solid GPU, but... You don't have to spend over $3,000 to get one. That's a that's a crucial part. The RTX 3060 laptops are not... They're like $1,200, $1,300. Or I guess they can be like $15 or $16 or $2,000 even for like nice MacBook Pro-esque build quality laptops. But I don't know. I don't really see the M1 Max being a good value you know you're paying for those gpu cores you're not really getting three thousand dollar laptop levels of gpu and uh, i'm trying to find here what the power consumption is that would be the redeeming quality i would say for the m1 max gpu is that it's you know it's it's using um very little power and it's it's pushing pretty decent. Okay, found it. The 3060 Mobile has an 80 watt power draw, so that's pretty that, that's good for Apple, right? Because the the whole M1 Max package is drawing about a, a 96 watts at peak, 95 maybe. Um, actually, probably lower than that. Probably like high 80s. So that's good, right? A 50 watt 
GPU is competitive performance-wise with an 80-watt GPU. Good job, Apple. Except that you priced it way too high. That's the problem. So, I mean, that's you can see how that is how that's different between the M1 and the M1 Pro, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they definitely they definitely price it high in comparison. And then, like I said, you know, when you get to the 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 desktops, then the performance per watt or the, you know the total power draw isn't as big of a deal anymore. That's true. That's true. Um, especially in desktops. Like I yeah. made a video about that. If I'm if I'm plugging in a Mac Pro, I can, you know, you can brag all you want. Well, my GPU only uses a hundred watts of power compared to the competitors two hundred watts of power. It's like, great, you paid twice as much and you're getting seventy percent the performance. I don't see how that's a win. And I agree with that. Yeah. What makes the M1 so great the m1 like the m1 macbook air fantastic value because for 9.99 you're paying ultrabook money you're like premium nice looking ultrabook money you're getting ultrabook battery life you're getting better than ultrabook battery life realistically and you're getting mid-level like performance laptop performance that's fantastic. That's a win right there because you're more efficient and more powerful and less expensive than your competitors. That's a huge win. With the Mac, with the M1 Max right now, particularly the M1 Pro, I think is okay. The M1 Max in particular, you're paying ultra high-end price. You're getting almost ultra high-end performance, but. You're that's, you know, you're paying the same price for less performance. I don't care if it's more efficient. I want to be able to say, hey, I am getting every last ounce out of this that I can get. And I don't think the M1 Max delivers on that, especially when you put it in desktops. iMacs, Mac Minis, Mac Pros even, two of them. We, we might actually see Noah... Uh, an M1 Max Duo in the iMac. That's something that I've been working on. Um, that could be like a March thing, which would be really interesting to see. But Apple, I mean, ugh. Apple just needs to work on how they scale these things up. They need to make, um, well, I mean, three nanometer chips coming soon. The um, uh, ARMv9 instruction set, which apparently can offer up to 30% gains with the same cores. Those things need to kick in. The problem is it takes two years to kick in, and the high-end market is moving faster than Apple is right now. Yeah, that's definitely... There's been a lot of developments there recently the, with the new processors and the new graphics cards and like i don't know if apple can take you know obviously okay you take the m1 max and then you have two or four of them and that's great i don't know if they could run them uh you know put more power into them than they're willing to put into the macbook pro because when you get to the desktop and you don't care about 
um, you know, the, the, the wattage as much anymore. I don't know if they could put more power into them and get more performance out of them, but yeah, I guess at some point you're either going to have to keep throwing more cores at it, you're going to have to make the cores more powerful, but maybe the, the, the current M1 Max isn't quite enough. Now, of course, Apple does have a lot of optimization. You know, macOS is very well optimized. And you look at, like, if you're doing Fair Final point. Cut, for example, there's the uh, the separate, um, like, encoder uh, chips, whatever the thing is that's on the chip that, that can help speed up all of that stuff. So there are, and, you know, there's the, the neural engine as well that can help with uh with certain tasks and that can come up in video editing photo editing like a bunch of other things but um so so at the end of the day the raw you know performance isn't the entire story but it does seem like fair there's some there's definitely room uh for apple to 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 grow to in order to compete but we don't and know we'll on that see. note i think it's also important um here's a comment that's similar to what you're talking about are Apple that concerned about the Mac Pro market? Like, when you look at the fraction of the business that it represents, are they really that bothered by it? And that's arguably, that kind of relates to what you're saying, right? Like, how many, you know, how, how much of a difference does that really make? How many people are buying Mac Pros? It's a low-volume computer. Yeah. But it's not necessarily about building this computer so that more people will buy it it's about um, the mac pro actually markets for apple products that are less expensive than it if done right because having the most powerful having like the superlative in the industry brings eyeballs it impresses people it makes headlines and maybe people aren't buying that Mac Pro or that Pro Display XDR, but maybe they say, okay, I'll buy the Mac Mini because that's, you know, in the same ballpark. Maybe I'll, I'll even end up just buying an M2 MacBook Pro, but I'll know that Apple makes really powerful, high-performance processors. So it's not just marketing for the relatively tiny amount of people that are actually going to buy the Mac Pro. It, I mean, I'm sure I, I would even not be surprised if Apple doesn't even really cover their R&D costs on Mac Pro sales. I mean, I guess over time they do. And with that appalling starting configuration with 256 gigabytes of storage for $6,000, maybe. But... Compared to the, like, think of the ROI on the on the MacBook Air. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to even retool their machines. All they did was replace a fan with a heatsink, replace the logic board parts. Relatively speaking, insane ROI. The least amount of work you could do, and they've been selling like crazy. With a Mac Pro coming up with a whole new design. A whole new like system for combining chips for a product that very few people are even going to buy. They might not even break even on their ROI. Well, okay, this is Apple. They will. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like it, That's a much less lucrative because the reason that you still do it is to give 
people something to be impressed by. It's like car manufacturers that show off these concepts or these really high-end vehicles. It's a halo car, if you've ever heard that term, Noah. Have you ever heard that term? I don't think so. It's essentially putting the pinnacle of everything that your company is good at into a really high-end model. And you know very well that you're not going to sell a lot of that, that that's not going to be your biggest moneymaker. But it's going to sell the models down market. You make that um, BMW i8, you make the Audi R8, you make the Volkswagen uh, GLI, the Golf R, the, the high-end models sell low-end models. And that's what the Mac Pro does as well. Yeah, and I just want to, just to finish off, uh, last thing I want to say is, um, you know, people are saying how much, you know, does Apple really care about the pro market or whatever? Uh, well, first of all, they do because they keep making, you know, the, or, or at least trying to make pro uh, computers yeah. like you could look at the trash can mac pro which did not do very well and then apple could have said like okay we tried you know how hard did they really try or, or how mm. well did they really think it through i guess you could say um but but they, they only came out in 2015 or whatever with the or when did they come out with the with the cheese grater the cheese grater you could or the sorry the I newer you, one. Oh, the newer one 2019 2019 so they did that and then you know there's rumors that they're going to do Another, so the point is that they, they do care because, you know, they've, they've shown that they care because they keep doing it. You can look at the MacBook Pros. You know, it's clear that Apple cares some amount about about uh, about the Pro users. And, um, and, and you know, there are Pros, you know, people that use, like, Final Cut and Logic Pro and, you know, maybe other software that could run on Windows, but they prefer Macs. And, you know, Apple, Apple has to provide them with something or else they'll have no choice but to use... Uh, you know, a, a PC. And so if yeah. Apple can provide them with a machine that can handle the workload, it may not be the most powerful thing in the world, but if it can handle the workload for a Final Cut or a Logic Pro, then people will buy those Pro machines. And I was also going to say, you could look at like Microsoft, for example. Microsoft doesn't sell like gaming PCs. They don't sell like super high-end PCs, right? They sell, you know, some they sell nice things and they and, and a lot of it's consumer uh focused as far as their hardware a lot of it's more consumer focused but apple still has those pro models they still care they don't have to but they still care about the pro yep. people and so i will give apple i guess the benefit of the doubt or i'll just say i'm gonna i'm gonna um withhold too much harsh judgment until we see what happens because the m1 was pretty impressive and i hope that they can that they can do it again with the mac pro yeah, you and me both. But you know what else I hope? What do you hope? I hope that you will all join us next week for the final episode of Dark Mode for the year. Can't believe it. But yeah, with that, it. we've all, uh, speaking of over time, over, oh. t- over time we are on this podcast episode, which we must now end. Thank you so much for joining us. I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. We'll see you next week, and have a great night.